host Christina Pajitsky. Thank you for downloading this episode. You can also see me talking to myself on YouTube. That's right. I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Christina comedy. Ugh, I'm so embarrassed by that. Christina comments. I started that like 10, a million years ago. God damn it. Um, but you can watch me talk to myself on YouTube. Pretty cool. Also some other announcements before we get into today's episode the second show at Irvine your mom's house podcast live oh wait oh crap that'll be done by the time this airs who cares it's sold out let's just say that February 17th I'm at the Hollywood Improv um, headlining uh, Melrose uh, the seven thirty show, and then February eighteenth, Flappers Comedy Club. I'm headlining that. It's in Burbank. That's an eight o'clock show. April thirteenth through fifteenth, Brea Improv. Um, April twenty eighth through twenty ninth. I've just added Sacramento, the Sacramento Punchline. May fourth through fifth, Phoenix, Arizona, at Stand Up Live. May nineteenth through twentieth, New York City, Gotham Comedy Club. June one through three, Denver at Denver Comedy Works. I'm so excited! I've never done that club before, and nor have I done Gotham, so it should be pretty rad. And then June sixteenth and seventeenth, I'm doing San Francisco at the Punchline Comedy Club. Tickets, ticket links can be found at that's deeprowpodcast.com under tour dates or at thousandranch.com. Get a ticket. Come see me do stand up. It'll be fun, I promise. What else? Okay, very excited to announce. That's my announcement song. Um, finally, finally, the That's Deep Bro t-shirt is here. Get your entire life and get a That's Deep Bro t-shirt. Uh, it is on the merch page of where we keep all our merch at TomSegura.com under, uh, under, uh, I guess buying stuff. Let me see. It's, God, sorry guys. I'm not very professional. It's under the merch page on Tom Segura's website. Uh, just for the reason that that's where we keep all the stuff for your mom's house. It's where we sell everything. So uh, peep out my new shirt. I'm super excited about it. I've spent a long time thinking about this, designing it, and it's finally here. And they're soft. They're not crappy, rough shirts. So go ahead and scoop one of those up. Nice flagship shirt for the show. Also, if you shop on Amazon, please use my banner. That's deepbropodcast.com. Click on the banners for... I have now the UK, Canada, United States. If you do shopping, you do shopping on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. I think that's it. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Should we get into today's episode? I think, I think I'm ready. Um, yeah. All right. Let's do it, bros. <laughs> Tuesday man, you've been a 
Lazarus. <laughs> Hi, welcome to That's Deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Oh, I'm all into the Beatles uh, this week uh, because I learned transcendental meditation and now I'm an enlightened being and I, I have all the answers. So if you want to know the meaning of life, I got it, man. I'm, tu- I'm tuned in, turned on, tapped out, whatever the fuck. I'm there. Not really. Uh, but I did learn TM this week, which is really exciting because it's something that I've wanted to try for, oh, I don't know, a decade. But I never could pull together the money or the time to do it. And I thought, well, now now's the time. You know, it's now or never. And um, I really like it, man. And I, you know, I've always been hesitant to do it because it costs a, it costs a lot of scratch. But I thought, you know, I spend money um, to meditate in a room full of white people already. So why not give it to uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who's dead, but give it to the people who learned it from him and, uh, and do it. Just fuck it. Do it. Right. And I really liked it. It takes four days to learn. And, uh, you know, I haven't had like any life shattering, altering, life shattering things happen, but, uh, it's pretty life affirming. You know, I have, uh, less anxiety, which is like number one. Cause I have, I have constant anxiety, running anxiety about everything, uh, pretty much all the time. And, um, but this kind of helps that and also helps my brain think clearer. Usually I'm very tired by the end of the day, but if I meditate using this technique and I, then I have a lot more energy and that's awesome. Um, yeah. And I like it because in other practices of meditation, I feel like the, the quest is always to stop thinking. And that's just really not possible if you're alive and breathing. You know, I never uh, could fucking do that. Got to quiet the mind, quiet the mind. Well, how the fuck do you do that if you if you're an adult and you've got responsibility and you know you've got a job, a kid, a life, a house, whatever the fuck it is. So uh, TM's very different in that it, it addresses all that. I, you know, I'm not supposed to go into it. You don't want to go into it because I can't do it justice if I explain it. It's, I, they don't endorse, they don't, I'm sorry, they don't sponsor the show or anything. Um, but, you know, if you're interested, if you're remotely interested, I say go. I think they do like an introductory talk so you can get an overview about what it is. And there's also a lot of science behind it now because originally TM started, Transcendental, Medi- Transcendental Meditation started um, by this guy, Maharishi, Mahar- Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, uh, in India, in India, and, uh, Maharishi, uh, started this practice and then, and then like the Beatles did it, fancy people did it, um, the Beatles went to India, lost their minds, came back and made some incredible music. Uh, David Lynch is into it, right? Jerry Seinfeld. They can't be wrong. It's, it's, it's all, it's all interesting stuff. And also too, it's been, um, they do studies with people who have PTSD and they use transcendental meditation to, to help alleviate a lot of the suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder and people who have had traumatic events. It really helps with that. So, ah, check it out. It's good for your health. It's good for your mind. It can't hurt. Like it certainly can't hurt to learn something new. And then if you're like, I, I don't like that, then then you don't like that. And you've just wasted a little bit of money and a little bit of time and go on with your life. Because I know some people are very fired up on the internet um, against transcendental meditation. I've, you know, Googled it myself in the past and like, oh, it's a sham and it costs money. It shouldn't have to cost money. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it does. It does cost money. And that's because it takes a few days to learn. It's not just like uh, some bullshit thing where they, they, they throw you the, the instruction manual and like, now you do it, asshole. Like it's, it's a pretty specific thing. So, ah, okay. So check it out. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. 
there are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. But most importantly, uh, more important than transcendental meditation and enlightenment is what I had for lunch today, which I don't know if I felt this much regret excuse me, in a while. But, you know, I grew up every Thursday, my family, my dad and my stepmother and I, we would go uh, to eat ribs at Tony Roma's. Yes, Tony Roma's. They loved it. My family just loved Tony Roma's. Um, And so it's been so many years since I've gone. And I thought, why not follow the wonderful Pajitsky family tradition and go back to my roots and go to TR's for lunch and have a half slab of baby bag ribs in the middle of the day with a loaded baked potato, maybe some corn. I didn't do the bread. Okay. Cut me some slack. I didn't do the onion loaf. God damn it. That onion loaf is so good too. And, but you know what I figured out? It's not the onion ring per se that I like at Tony Roma's, but the fact that you dip it in the original sauce. And really that's the big epiphany today that I've had with Tony Roma's is that it's not even the corn. It's not the the loaded baked potato. It's not the ribs, but it's the GD sauce that is uh, proprietary to Tony Roma's. It is so good. You know, you can, you can order the Carolina honeys. That's okay. You know, you can do the spicy, whatever. It's not the same. The original sauce is where it's at, and my God, you could put that on a dog turd and eat it, and it is just a little slice of dog turd heaven. I just love it. So, uh, yeah, I get lots of extra sauce. I put that on the ribs, and then that was it. It doesn't. I don't feel good right now. It doesn't feel good. And I suspect, and I didn't want to ask the waitress because I feel as though she was kind of drinking the company Kool-Aid there, you know, she kind of wasn't a subversive type, but I wanted to ask her if the food was frozen because I'm telling you, I think they freeze their corn. I think they freeze the meats because the meat, it doesn't taste as fresh as it should. Now, I'm not saying it's not tasty. It's just not the same as going down to, you know, the store and getting a slab of fresh, it's definitely frozen. And now if you work at Tony Roma's, can you email me and let me know if my suspicion is right? I have a feeling the shit is frozen. And, you know, that's upsetting because then it's like a fast food rib place. And I, hey, don't tell me there's better barbecue. I fucking know that already. Okay. I've been to Kansas City. I've been uh, St. Louis. I've been, I've been all these places. I've been to fucking Dreamland Barbecue in Alabama. Is that where that was? Or Texas? I don't remember. I've eaten barbecue all over the United States. So yeah, I'm aware that Tony Roma's is not the gold standard, but I fucking like it because it's one of those um, trashy things I grew up on that now I cannot undo. You know, once you've been trained in eating white trash or poor people food or immigrant style foods, it's very hard to change your palate. You know, my husband's got a silver spoon in his mouth and he grew up a little wealthier and, you know, he likes to take us to these fancy schmancy places where every course is two bites and then there's another course. And I'm always hungry and I'm always angry and I'm never satisfied. And um, I don't like that, you know, I, I like I like what I like and I like shitty things. But I think what I'm gonna have to do is go to Outback Steakhouse from now on for, for those kinds of ribs, those processy tasting, because I do like that. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. You know what's the ultimate in trash? I was thinking about this. The ultimate 
the ultimate in latchkey kid cuisine. And you know you're a latchkey kid. For those of you who don't even know what that is, because I think um, this generation certainly has not, I, I hope to God, has not seen the latchkey kid thing. But that's when you had uh, a key to your own house and you went to school and you went to junior high or however old you were, seventh grade, and then you came home and rather than uh, arrange proper child care, your parents just gave you a key to your own house and you let yourself in and you cooked disgusting shit. And I've talked about this on my show uh, for a minute there, for a minute there. I remember my mother used to go to the grocery store and my stepsister lived with us. And for a minute there, my mother would buy the same shit every week, right? That's what moms do. Like they lock into the five things that you like. I do it now. And I know it's super disgusting and annoying to my husband and to my kid because I buy the same 10 items over and over and over again. Because <laughs> I figure if they like it, just keep liking it. But there was a time when my stepsister was really into steakum. Fucking steakum. Do you even know what that is? If you don't know what that is, it means you had a really decent upbringing. It means that someone cooked for you and provided nutritious, uh, balanced meals fresh meals <laughs> because steak them steak them you they couldn't even just call it like frozen steak it had to be steak um because you weren't sure what it was it was like thinly sliced i'm guessing beef i don't think so because it was kind of gray it was gray and my stepsister would throw frozen ass steak them into the microwave this is when we come home from high school, right? She lives, we lived together for like ninth and 10th grade or something. And uh, microwaving steak, and it, of course it comes out of the microwave, just blazing hot, just a disgusting slab of gray meat. And she loved it. And she would dip it in ketchup or whatever disgusting condiment we had lying around. And I would get from my, my ramen noodles. I was not really into meat so much, uh, but I... I had ramen noodles every day and I would make those and I would put ketchup on mine and shaky cheese and an egg. You put the egg in there for extra protein. That's what my mom taught me. There you go. Steakum, Tony Romas. So, hey, also, thank you for the people writing in to instruct me on getting a metal straw for my coffee. And I purchased them on Amazon using my banner at thatsdeepropodcast.com. But I left the damn straws in the car. So, uh, cause I picked up the mail through the box in the car and then now I don't have it, but I'm drinking out of my Queens Royal Jubilee cup. This is, it says God save the queen and I'm enjoying my coffee mm. on top of that Tony Roma's lunch. So, mm. feels good. Feels good. Okay. Guys, have you seen, have you seen, uh, the app on the iPhone called next door? Uh, you got to do next door. Um, I've always believed that social media, more than just being a fun way of seeing what your enemies are up to, is also a way of, of really seeing people's mental illnesses front and center. Uh, meaning like you show me the Instagram, I'll tell you the mental illness. You show me somebody's Facebook page and the shit that they're posting uh, I'll tell you exactly what kind of crazy they are, what the, what the problems are. I feel like I could, I'm like a fucking uh, crazy person analyst. I can tell you right away. And it's because I grew up with a crazy mom. So my radar is so strong for Cray Cray. Now, my favorite part about the Nextdoor app is that it lets you know exactly who's crazy in your own neighborhood. So what it is, it's an app that you have to be invited to join, I'm guessing, I think, or you look up your neighborhood. I don't know. I was invited. And it's people in your immediate neighborhood, and they write things they think are a priority to to you, to the rest of the neighborhood. Real gems. Real gems. Um, my favorite are things like raccoons. There were raccoons going through my trash. Has anyone else experienced that? I've decided not to let my dogs out at night because of the raccoons. They might eat my dogs. <laughs> like, well, first of all, 
uh, raccoons love trash. That's what they're here for. They want to eat your garbage. So maybe don't leave the trash out where the wild animal can get it. And secondly, I mean, I've lived in California my whole life. I have yet to hear of a raccoon attacking a dog. Usually it's the other way around or it's a coyote that's eating dogs. Seldom raccoon. I At least, hey, I'm not a nature expert or anything, but I think we can fucking cool it on the panic about the raccoon. And then there was a post about bees. Did anybody happen to see the swarm of bees on the corner of... Uh, of, of uh, I don't know what the streets are. Avenue Q and Willoughby. There was a swarm of bees. Does anybody know how to get rid of them? <laughs> I heard loud bangs last night. Does anybody know what the bangs are? Like, what are you people writing this shit for? It's so. It's such a wonderful resource. Um, I just love it. I mean, I've actually posted something on there to ask for like a recommendation for a handyman or a pool man or what, you know, whatever. And for that, it's great. But, but the concerns, the concerns of the everyday citizen are just stunning, staggering, staggering. And these are the people that can vote, by the way, when you think about it, I'm not so sure voting is the best thing uh, for a society. Okay. Everybody has the power to vote. I'm not so sure democracy is the way to go. <laughs> Cause if you look at the level of intelligence, most people don't, shouldn't qualify. Most people don't qualify to have children. There should definitely be an IQ test for reproduction. Uh, there is a test to fucking drive. It should definitely be a little bit harder. Cause I see people violating the four way fucking stop rule Every goddamn time I drive in my neighborhood, because we got a lot of stop signs here, and every fucking time I'm at the four-way stop, these people do not know the rules about the etiquette. Who gets to go when? I swear, seldom do people know. I know the goddamn rules because I remember them from the time I was 15 when I took the written test. If two people show up at the same time, whoever gets, who's ever the right, who's ever on the right gets the right of way. Okay, that's simple, shitbirds. These people don't understand. It gets me so fucking fired up. It's dangerous, guys. I'm a Midwestern mom. I got my baby in the car. Do I have to put a sign on my windshield? Baby on board to let you guys know? Did that ever... Oh, that's such a fucking 90s thing, right? The baby on board? Or was that 80s baby on board? Oh, so stupid. <laughs> I've got a baby on board. <laughs> look at me or the family stick figure stickers are really my favorite too with the names of all the children this is janice and jeb and john and this is susan and chris and these are our dogs and our cats and this is a school they go to so in case you wanted to kidnap our children this is where they go to school and these are their ages so you can call their name out uh when you drive up and you can go ahead and kidnap our children. Here's the keys to our front, the front door. Here you go. Here's all the shit you need to know. The fuck are you advertising? The name of your children, where they go. My student of the year at uh, Blake Elementary. Oh, good. So now every pedophile that wants to bang your kid knows exactly what school uh, to go and find them at. Very good. Thank you. That's just sharing. I got. We have to share every fucking thought we have now on social media. Got to share with everybody. Got to share. I follow Molly Sims on Instagram. I follow a lot of people on Instagram. Don't don't you judge. But I follow Molly Sims, the actress. I guess model. She's a very pretty lady. Very. I think very nice lady. Like I. I don't know. I follow her. I feel like because I. I want to learn what it is to be a normal human being. Uh, somebody who looks happy and healthy and attractive. I kind of look at, I look to these people as uh, guideposts uh, for what I can never be. And it's fine. I'm not saying that I want to be her, but I like to see what, what the, what the paradigm is for women. Like this is what you should, you should be happy and thin and want to fuck your husband all the time. And you should be just thrilled about childbirth and just, you know, 
every moment is amazing in my life. And she's one of those people that really promotes that um, happy wife, woman, mom, the what's it, the mom culture paradigm. So I love to watch it to be like, oh, this is this is what the culture is pushing. Oh, okay, now I know that I don't have to feel bad because <laughs> I don't measure up to anything Molly Sims is doing ever. Like not nothing, never. Um, but I do. I literally do watch these things just to go like just to check myself emotionally because then I go, oh, that's that woman's trying to be this ideal. That's the ideal, and that that really doesn't necessarily exist maybe it does exist for molly sims i don't know maybe she is like this person i then and if so fucking awesome like that's not a bad thing to be but anyways i was watching her and uh it's so this great video she has um where she's she's on her third pregnancy she's on third kid she's super pregnant and she's sitting on her bed and she does these youtube videos i highly recommend going to her youtube channel and um and she's like here's what i pack for my hospital time, like when she's giving birth, you know, you have to pack um, a bag when you give birth to a baby, your hospital bag. And uh, she's like, here's some essentials that I like to take to the hospital when I give birth. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I can't wait to hear you know, what fucking nonsense this is. Well, first, I like to bring you know, just some sexy pajamas. Like, why do I have to feel frumpy in the hospital? (laughs) I totally, and I admire any woman that's like sexy pajamas after giving birth to a child. (laughs) Good for you. Fucking good for you. (laughs) Cause I, I, I couldn't do that. And then, um, and she's like, and then I like to bring, um, you know, two different outfits, for my newborn baby um because there's a lot of photos and you want to look good you definitely want to bring your makeup you want to bring like lipstick you want to bring your concealer you want to bring your hairspray and definitely definitely and then my favorite is the here's her must-have for the hospital delivery room okay for her baby when she's in the hospital my absolute must-have is a floral essence spray by Tata Fafa. I don't know the brand name. And you can just get this at, you know, Nordstrom or online and you just kind of spray your face and it's like a really moisturizing because it's so dry in the hospital. And I, I love it. Like I am, I'm in hook, line and sinker. I want to be like uh, Molly Sims packing her bag. Yes. So I go look up this, this floral spray that she's talking about. Cause I'm like, well, she looks great. I want to look great, you know, just in life. The fucking spray. I'm not even kidding. Now, I spend a lot of time in the mall with my kiddo because during rainy days, you, you can't play outside. So I take him to the mall. And I was in Nordstrom and I go, hey, do you guys have this Tata Fafa, whatever the fuck brand this is, fa- floral essence facial spray? And I find it and it smells good. It's, it smells good. It's like the size of half this water bottle. And I spray the shit on. I like it. I'm like, I'm like how much is this? A hundred dollars. <laughs> wait what a hundred dollars for a smelly nice smelling spray that you can spray on your face and i like that this just can't be it's that that's her must have is a hundred dollar bottle of facial spray like who the fuck can afford that who are you <laughs> i love these celebrities that their essentials are just outlandish outlandish and then she's like i love this bodysuit by the la la lula brand and i look up the bodysuit and that's another like you know four hundred dollar outfit i'm like whoa wait a minute when i was pregnant with my kiddo i went down to the old navy and i thought spending forty dollars on a pair of maternity pants was really wasteful because i'm like i'm not gonna wear this shit you know more than nine months i'm out of these pants and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a few months i'm not spending money but man these celebrities oh i just love it i just can't get enough and it's so interesting because in that book last week i was talking about the subtle art of not giving a fuck um it talks about in the second half of the book priorities and how in you know 50 or 100 years from now we're going to look back at this society this current society and we're going to say look at these dummies that they worshiped celebrities that we worshipped people we didn't even know. We we valued them over the very people that we live with every day, and we listened to them. 
over our own, you know, tribal elders. We, we, we had to listen to Molly Sims tell us what to bring to the delivery room as opposed to our own mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, whatever, uncles, aunts. So I just thought that was pretty, pretty fascinating shit. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's episode, but in the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, um, he also brings up the idea of uh, the extraordinary. And I just wanted as, a, as an addendum, if I hadn't brought this up, I really like this, is that the idea that we're all not, excuse me, supposed to be extraordinary. And the culture now, especially in the self-help movement, which I love, um, is, is really into this whole thing of like, you got to be the best you can be. You've got to be the fittest, the best looking, the highest achieving, the most marvelous, the most intelligent, the most, the best. You have to be constantly striving to be a number one. And while that's a noble thing, um, the truth of it is most of us are not exceptional. Truly, truly not exceptional. Most of us, in fact, are fairly average. And then maybe there's like one or two things that you do that you're super great at and you just have those abilities naturally and you cultivate those. You work very hard, right? You put in your 10,000 hours to cultivate a God-given talent like the Beatles did, um, like Tiger Woods did. But really, to be good at everything is highly problematic and also sets you up to want to flog yourself when you're not perfectly fit and perfectly happy and perfectly... Um, great at everything all the time. And especially the social media culture, people are only showing the the best parts of themselves, right? The the winning aspects of their personality. And I did mention that last week. So it's kind of harmful if you're like, oh, I, I want to be like Molly Sims. And then you realize, oh, but that, that's just bullshit. She's just showing me a fraction of her life. She's showing me um, the the more glamorous side. And it's there's this one video, I have to go back to this, it kills me, as... Uh, <laughs> She had a C-section and she, of course, just to um, show you everything leading up. Uh, and there's one video, she's like, so today I'm getting my stitches out. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, dude. Fucking please, please. I don't need to know which day you're getting your fucking stitches out. I mean, I guess I overshare on this show too. I'm not above it, but uh, just the idea that the the viewers demand to know when Molly is getting um, her C-section stitches out is just... And she said it with a smile. I think that's what... The part that really was like, wait, what? What did you just fucking say? So today I'm getting my C-section stitches out. And she's saying that like it's nothing. Like I'm going to go down to Starbucks and I'm going to order my latte and I'm going to get a little, um, one of those popsicle things with the, f- the fudge on it. Like it was just like a non, th- I think that's what it is. It's like, I'm ready to, here's my bag for when I give birth. I'm like totally detached from the reality of what is about to happen to you, which is Oh, I don't know, giving birth, which fucking is horrible and sucks and is painful. <laughs> like, getting the stitches out, totally removed from the fact that she's getting fucking stitches taken out. And that is very painful. So just a reminder to everybody viewing other people on social media that their lives are maybe not necessarily that much better than yours. It's just the presentation of it is total bullshit. Like it's only one sided. So Okay, I'm going to read some emails, some emails. We have to have our introduction song. Hold on. Here we go. Oh, ah. Is that working? Shit. Oh, I know why, because I fucking silenced this thing, so I didn't hear dings. Let's try that one more time. Here's our intro for emails. You want to know why you're all fucked up? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, and there you go. Okay. Oh, this is it. So this guy writes in, uh, hey, Gene, which is my name. It's not plural anymore. It's just Gene. I like the last episode. You're talking about the virtues of embracing negative thought. I think it goes hand in hand with my thoughts on anxiety. We live in a day and age where if there is a psychological problem, there is a pill that solves it. Is anxiety such a bad thing? If it is our natural response to deeper psychological issues, then it can't be bad. I know so many people in college and now in the professional world who are pilled out on their pilled out of their gourds on Xanax and Klonopin. Obviously, earlier on, much of this was was more about drug use 
and abuse than actual anxiety. But when I see these soccer moms who throw back anxiety meds with a glass of red every night, I can't help but shake my head. What the fuck is so bad about their lives? (laughs) That's Mother's Little Helper. Remember that song by the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Well, shit, you try staying home with some kids all day. I'll make you drink and take pills for sure. Are you taking these pills because you actually suffer from debilitating anxiety or are you just afraid to admit that your life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would? That's a very interesting thought, Ty. Uh, What is the root of anxiety? Why do I feel anxiety? Is anxiety an indicator that uh, maybe there's some unresolved trauma? Absolutely. Is it an indicator that your life has not turned out the way you thought it would? Uh, yeah. And sometimes, interestingly enough, going back to the subtle art of not giving a fuck, that book I read last week, um, a lot of times the anxiety is also due to, uh, misplaced values. He mentions that, that especially in today's society of high achievement, high goal setting, everybody's perfect. Everyone's hot. Everyone, you know, is that our values get really misplaced. And we think that if we're not super, super um, thin, pretty successful, whatever, whatever, that that is the source of misery for us, right? As opposed to having values that might be something more beneficial to us, something more intrinsically beneficial, like, oh, uh, valuing, you value your family, you value friendship, you value um, caring for your dog, child, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, over material success. So maybe it's a shift in values too. But yeah, I agree. Anxiety. Oh, and by the way, he does point out that obviously there are people whose brain chemistry is a bit fucky. I like that word a lot, a bit fucky. That's brilliant. And need chemicals to help balance that shit out. But I think we all feel anxiety because in our subconscious mind, we know there is some fucked up shit that needs to be addressed. I agree. I absolutely agree. I don't understand the over-medicating of a naturally occurring feeling that is our mind telling itself that there is some housekeeping needed. I feel that if people perhaps put down the pills and started working on themselves, they would be far better off and would improve their feelings faster. Better off than suppressing their anxiety and never addressing the root causes of their issues anyway. Just my two cents, jeans up tie. Yeah, and I agree. And I know that there's people listening to this right now upset because you're thinking, yeah, but there is a time when you're, you're so full of anxiety that you need the, the meds to kind of bring you down, to cool you down a little so that you can actually deal. And I know, I mean, I personally, I've never uh, gotten there, but there are times I kind of wish I would have been medicated. But um, yeah, there are times that the anxiety can be so painful for people that they need it. They need meds to just to take a a little breath. You know, when you have life altering things happening to you, divorce, death, trauma, all this stuff, sometimes it's necessary to medicate just to get through the thing. And then, you know, you, you stop taking the meds once life has kind of cooled off a little. But I agree that to, you know, to kind of want to squash anxiety, it's very normal. Uh, and, and hey, TM helps with this stuff too, by the way. Um, but it doesn't, the, the great part I like about TM is that it doesn't tell you to ignore the thoughts or it doesn't squelch the anxiety, which is, I think, really, really, really key because it's your body's way of telling you something's up, right? Um, something's up, something's wrong, something needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And you don't want to ignore it and you don't want to suppress it. You want to absolutely deal with it. Now, again, sometimes there are just dark days too, right? There are just days where you're in a funk. You don't know why. And I believe, I think that is trauma kind of coming to the surface. That's the body's way. Because all that stuff is stored in your body, right? My uh, shrink calls it physical memory. Is that what she calls it? Body memory. But anyway, trauma does get stuck in the body. So sometimes the body will let you know, hey, warning, shit's real. Deal with this. Yeah. It's interesting because we are in the most stressed out era of life. That's what everyone says. Like everybody's stressed out. Everybody has all this stuff. And I think a lot of it is technology actually that was supposed to make life easier. And now it's um, freaked everything out. But I'm not, you know, anti-technology, obviously. Just turn that shit off every now and then. You know, I always feel guilty when I catch myself. I'm with my son. I catch myself on the phone too much. I'm like, oh, shit. This is what he sees. He just sees my head looking down and I'm just hanging with them, you know, like, oh man, that's not good. 
that can't be good, right? Because that's how he learns to interact with people. But the thing is, look, he plays a lot on his own. Jesus Christ. What am I supposed to do when he's off fucking putting Legos in a bucket? Just sit there and with my thumb up my ass alone in the room? No, I got to fucking see what happened in politics. I got to check my Twitter. I got to see who's on Instagram. I got to watch Molly Sims. Tell me what to do with my life. God damn it. Okay. Now this, I got an interesting email from a Canadian, a fellow Canuck. Hello. By the way, Wikipedia is wrong. It says I was born in uh, Toronto. I, I wasn't born in Toronto. I was born in Windsor, beautiful Windsor, Ontario. And Toronto is how you pronounce that. That's how my grandmother pronounced Toronto. Toronto, Toronto. She lived in Toronto. Okay. Hi, Tina. Okay, here we go. Uh, short story. I met my girlfriend on Facebook, on a Facebook Dutch cooking page. I am Canadian and she is Dutch, living in the USA, but is not a citizen yet. We became friends and she visited me. Oh, hold on one second. Let me just fucking think about this. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, 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 guys. I went to another dimension. Uh, we became friends and she visited me. We fell for one another. I went to Chicago for two months and lived with her, even almost secured a visa. But I got fucked over by the restaurant's owner, uh, and now I'm struggling to find a way to go back and get a proper visa. Okay. My girlfriend said that it would make us stronger, but we have been away from one another for two months. I am visiting in a month, and I'm planning to visit every two months. Also, I'm working on finding a restaurant job to obtain a visa. Very hard. Nobody wants to deal with it. It is very hard. You know, all this stuff with the immigration, I got to tell you, I worked in as an immigration paralegal before 9-11, a million years ago, it was never easy to get into this country. It's so fucking hard, especially, I mean, even like the, quote, nicer countries, it's, it's still hard. They don't let just anybody in. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm very motivated as I am eligible for a visa type that allow me to apply anytime as soon as I so, Okay, I want, here's the part I wanted to deal with this. Okay. Anyway, long story short, the guy wants to get the visa. This is what he writes that is a little troubling to me. But she is more and more negative about the situation, being rude here and there, and apologizing slash saying she is not good enough for me. I don't know how to deal with all of this. I know we have only been together for five months, but I feel like quitting now is just dumb because we have fun. We are very good friends. We share passions, values, and we already know we can live together. What should I do? I'm so confused, Tina. Okay. Now, I have to tell you, because I don't, you know, it sounds like this is a very specific situation. You guys met on a Facebook page. Uh, she's living in the U.S. on some kind of a visa. You're Canadian. You're trying to come here to hang with her. First of all, can she go to Canada? Jesus Christ, don't come here. If you read the fucking... <laughs> You read the newspapers? Don't come here. She needs to go to Canada. Canada, Canada. It's too unstable here right now. But uh, here's what does concern me, that she is more and more negative about the situation, being rude here and there and apologizing and saying she is not good enough for me. I have to tell you, I have to tell you, my love, my Canadian brother, whenever somebody tells you, they are not good enough for you. My experience has always said, listen to them. I'm telling you, uh, it's the one fucking thing I know. If somebody says, I'm not good enough for you, they certainly are not. And you should absolutely listen to that um, and take that at face value. Now, why is she being more negative and more negative and shitting on this? Yikes. I, I, I say... She's getting cold feet. That's usually what happens. And, and here's, here's, let me get you the bigger picture. Okay. Let's, let's back that ass up. First of all, women take note of this gentleman's email. Take note of this. Have you noticed the absolute and sheer willingness, the dire necessity for this man to be with this woman? right? You see what he wants to, he wants to go find another job. He's going to find a way to come be with her. You know what that is? That's called a dude that's into a girl. Okay. If you got a guy who's not willing to fucking go through all of this to be with you, 
then to quote Greg Barrett in that book, he's just not that into you. This is what love looks like, women. <laughs> when a guy is willing to move to another country to find a way to get the visa to be with your ass, he really, really likes you, and that's the guy you need to be with, okay? Not some fucking wishy-washy guy uh, who he hates his mommy, and he plays the acoustic guitar and writes fucking songs and smokes dope all day and, and then, you know, doesn't return your phone calls. Is that a personal story? I don't know. The point is... This guy is great, okay? So it's fucking her loss, number one, if she's negative towards you. Number two, when a girl starts to get... I'm sorry. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm sorry and I hope I am wrong because I like you a lot and I think that you're very fucking sweet and I can tell you're a sweet dude because you're willing to go through all of this for a girl that you more or less just met. And I think that's so romantic and wonderful. That being said, when a girl starts to get negative and say this kind of shit to you, like, oh, you're just, I'm not good enough for you. Listen to her. She's telling you I'm a piece of shit. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, JP. I like you. Uh, Usually when women are ready to tiptoe out of the relationship or they're getting cold feet, that's the kind of stuff they say. I did that in my youth. I did the same fucking shit. Because unfortunately, uh, the LDR the long distance relationship is what you guys have. And that's different than the everyday relationship. The LDR, the long distance relationship is different in nature because a, you're not with each other all the time. Now you've lived together for two months and relationship land. That is, that's a blip. That's a fart in the wind of relationship time. Two months is you're, just now getting comfortable with telling each other, hey, I got to take a dump. Maybe. And if you're not saying, hey, I got to go take a dump in the next room, you don't have a good relationship in my opinion. Okay. But two months living together isn't enough time to really solidify into a legit couple, right? There's no boxers on the floor yet. You're still on good behavior. There's no bras hanging in the shower. Um, there's no unflushed toilets left at two months, really, you know? Um, and the long distance relationship is romantic because you're not with each other all the time. It's got that energy, that excitement, whatever. Um, and that's why it's different than a full time thing. And let's be honest here. Are you really having your emotional needs and physical needs met by somebody that's in another country? No, not really. And I'm sure there are wonderful girls in Canada. There's, uh, I know there's lots of nice girls in Canada that you could date. And I know this Dutch girl probably gets your engines revved because she's foreign. She's a little unavailable and that's kind of exciting to you, I think. But ask yourself more importantly, why am I into a girl that in all likelihood, the stars are not aligned? She's not available to you physically She's not available to you really at all. And why is that so appealing? You know, maybe this is a relationship that is better left um, in the two months you live together. And I do worry that she's saying this shit to you. I just don't trust, I don't trust a bitch. You know what I'm saying? I don't trust a bitch who tells you she ain't worth it. She needs to get her entire life and realize that you're a sweet guy. And um, she doesn't have, uh, she doesn't have her life enough to, to tell you point blank that maybe she has cold feet. That's my thing. I don't know if I'm right. I say, tell her you're not going to the U S and see how she reacts. See if she goes, well, thank God, because I wasn't so sure in the first place. Or if she goes, why? I love you. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. That's what I would do. But, uh, also just stay in Canada. Jeez. (laughs) I think you might be better off in Canada. Hold on, my nanny texted me. What is going on? Oh, geez. Don't you hate those the nanny texts? Oh, my other package is here. I ordered, um, I guess I could tell you now because this won't drop until after the live show. I ordered uh, dog masks for your mom's house live. <laughs> Latex dog masks. So hopefully my nanny won't open the package that just arrived from Amazon. Because it is a latex fetish dog mask. Uh, for my other podcast, because I'm a professional adult. <laughs> this is how I make my living, folks. Um, 
Okay. Oh, I also wonderful addendum to last week's episode as well. Matt writes in, I just listened to your podcast, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So Mark Manson, he writes, has another book called Attracting Women Through Honesty. Similar idea in terms of what will be, will be. A very level-headed approach to attracting women. More to do with a self rather than techniques and perfect pickup lines. Worth a read for male listeners. Just wanted to drop my two cents. Yeah, Matt, I like this book. It is called Models Attract Women Through Honesty, Mark Manson. Yeah, I I haven't read this, but I saw this as well. And I, I have to say that, I mean, I don't know what the book is entirely about, but if it's about cultivating your own self stuff, yeah. Uh, and that there's a word for that and why what women are really attracted to. And that word is charisma. Charisma. And I believe the word charisma, if it's the root of it or whatever, is it literally of the spirit. You... Um, you're of your own, you're, you're full of your own fucking essence, right? You're, um, you're full of a spirit. I, I don't, I don't like it when people say confidence. Well, you gotta be confident to get a woman or you gotta be confident to be good at stand up comedy. I never liked that definition because confidence to me, you can fake, you can fake confidence, you can fake it. And it's also a form of arrogance. I've seen a lot of comics who go out there and they're like, yeah, I'm going to fucking kill it. And the, the energy, it, comes across as confidence, but in my opinion, it also reeks of insecurity and arrogance. And so, um, yeah, charisma is a lot stronger because charisma comes from within and charisma, man, you know, charisma is why a five foot two guy from Minneapolis could put on purple pants and a purple top and wear high heels and was considered a sex symbol. Charisma. Because if your neighbor down the street fucking put on a purple outfit and wore high heels and was five foot two, you'd be like, this motherfucker is crazy. But he was a huge star, right? Prince. Prince. Everybody wanted to bang him. Teeny tiny little guy loaded with charisma. I don't think that was fake. That was, he was definitely not faking that shit. That was a hundred percent for real, for real, for real. Okay, so that was good. Thank you for writing that in, Matt. So check it out, guys. Mark Manson's got a book, Attract Women Through Honesty. Yeah, I agree. Whatever whatever will be, will be is a nice kind of tie-in to the, the email I just read before. You know, with this whole shit about traveling and living in different places and maybe the timing isn't right and he's seeing her and she's seeing this guy and then thing and the thing, all that stuff does matter. And, you know, you can't fucking force it. You just can't. It's, you know... If it's not meant to be, it really isn't, especially in love. You, you can't, you cannot force that shit with, with humans like that. So this is a funny uh, email. I think it's so funny. This guy writes in, uh, <laughs> Mom, Tina, there's a woman I've met professionally who has started telling people she's black. She isn't. This woman does a ton of work in communities of color and is very well-meaning. That said, she is becoming more extreme by the year, and I'm starting to see signs of mental illness. Everyone knows she was raised by a single parent. Now, to identify more with the people she works with, she is saying the other parent was black. There's no evidence for this. Her parents did not tell her this. (laughs) It's just something she wants to be true. Remember Rachel Dolezal? Is that how you say her name? Dolezal? Yes, I do. It's one of those situations. How far does choosing your identity go and why do people feel the need to lie to fit in? There's something unsettling about people that force others to live inside their fake reality. Oh boy, aren't we seeing a lot of that um, in this era, huh? There is. Okay, so (laughs) I like this email because, you know, when the Rachel Dolezal, Rachel, I'm not going to say her last name again, um, thing happened, it's funny because... It was like, uh, why are we upset about, why am I upset about this other person doing her thing? And, and I, Hey, look that this is a loaded topic for people of color. Obviously I'm a white woman. Um, I have no business talking about people of color and what it feels like to be black and what it feels like to have, um, essentially an imposter in your midst who didn't go through the same shit you did growing up and is now appropriating, is not the word appropriating, uh, black culture and taking kind of like the fun parts, right? Like the, the cool parts. 
<laughs> of of that whole identity. And I don't know what that feels like um, for black people, you know? I kind of do. I kind of... I, I remember when Caitlyn Jenner came out, I remember being like, whoa, 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 bitch. Whoa, bitch. I hold your role. Like, I know you're a woman now, and I'm, I'm real fucking stoked for you, but you've only been abroad a for two fucking years now. So calm down. <laughs> you know, uh, I've had 40 years of this shit and it ain't all about big titties and makeup. It ain't all about, you know, looking hot. There's a lot of other baggage that comes with being a woman, even a white woman. There's still a lot of baggage, a lot of context that goes into being that thing. So I kind I mean, yeah. I mean, do I give a shit about Caitlyn Jenner? Being a, no, listen, you want to join the club? Be my fucking guest. I don't know why, because being a white guy seems to be pretty amazing. You want to be one of us? Fucking have at it. But uh, as far as a white, a white lady pretending to be black, <laughs> I mean, look, whatever you want to do, man, do it. It's not none of my fucking business. She, she thinks she's black, then she's black, you know? That's her jam. That's what she wants to do. Uh, but I think your problem is like, why do I have to participate in the crazy, right? Like, why do I have to go along for the ride? You don't. But uh, how far does choosing your identity go? And why do people feel the need to lie to fit in? Well, I know in some ways we, uh, we always choose our own identity, don't we? In some, in some of it is you're born with, right? Your, your physical features and your social and economic circumstances. That shit's out of your control, what you're born into. And then as you get older, you get in your 20s, 30s, whatever, 40s, 50s, you, you decide who you want to be, I think, more or less, right? You pull from here, you pull, I like that, that kind of, you know, and I always think about people's selfies on Instagram. There's two kinds of people. There's people that smile in the picture and then... There's the people I admire who can kind of put on like a cool face and look like, like they're so bored by taking the picture. And secretly, I want to be one of those people. Secretly, I wish I was cool enough that I didn't feel the need to seek other people's approval and fucking smile in a picture. You know, that would be great. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm a fucking insecure douchebag that needs to smile to get other people's approval. Or maybe sometimes I'm just fucking happy. Maybe sometimes I'm so geeked out at being with the person I'm with and at the situation I'm at and I'm fucking smiling because I'm happy and I like to show joy because I feel like that's also really secure is to be able to smile and show joy and emotion in a photo, whatever. Um, but I'm saying that that affect, that, that whole I'm too cool to smile or I'm or whatever, that's an identity. That's a choice. And we're all choosing constantly, constantly, constantly. Uh, which leads me to next week. I have finally procured a non-binary person. Ooh, ooh. That's right. And we're going to talk, I hope. And now that I've announced it, gosh, I hope the interview happens. You know that I don't want to jinx it. So may or may not happen. I'm thinking more on the side of may uh, that I'm going to have a non-binary person. We can finally get to the bottom of it because that is one of those identity things, right? Maybe we talk about identity. I don't fucking know. I feel like that's something I, uh, I guess I do struggle with that. I don't know. No, I feel like I'm always kind of in and out, you know? I I know. No, you know what? Let's talk about that because I uh, just met a woman in my TM class who was like, yeah, I'm struggling with my new identity now that I'm a mom. I'm not quite who I was before I had a kid. I'm not quite who I was. You know, I don't know who I am. Who am I? Who am I? Okay, so let's save that for next week. I'm going to write that down. Who am I? Let's talk about identity. That's fucking interesting. So email me your thoughts on identity if you have any. Um, that's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. And check out a live show. Uh, got my dates up on thousandranch.com, on that's deeprowpodcast.com. Shop on my Amazon banner. That's deeprowpodcast. Yeah, yeah, fuck shit. Blah, blah, blah. Boo-boo-dee-boo-dee-boo-doo. Scooby-doo. I got to go. I'm going to lose my nanny in a few minutes here. And I got to feed these dogs. They're getting very kissy and very licky. And that's the sign because they don't really, they're not affectionate. They just want to fucking eat. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for downloading. And um, 
I'll see you next week, bros. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.